0: Awaken podcast. I
1: hope you enjoy the teaching. Hello, welcome to Awaken and our gathering. We're so glad that you're here. If you're new, we want to extend a special welcome to you and ask that you would go to our website and fill out a connect card. I'm Kathy Solomon, the director of Community Life, and we'll be reaching out um, for a way that we can get together and um, share a drink of your choice. As we come together today and um, share this time together, I have a call to worship that Michelle Clifton Soderstrom shared at the um, recent learning lab about Pietism. And this is from the Evangelical Covenant Hymnal, And it's a prayer that I wanted us all to share today. Lord, call us into the church, call us in often, and teach us the old words and old songs with their new meanings. Lord, give us new words for the words we wear out Give us new songs for those that have lost their spirit. Give us new reasons for coming in and for going out. For going out into our streets and to our homes. As the house of the Lord once moved like a tent through the wilderness, so keep our church from becoming rigid. Make our congregation alive and free. Give us ideas we never had before so that alleluia and gloria and amen are like the experiences we know in daily living. Alleluia, oh Lord, be praised in our worship today. Be praised. Well, we're going to sing together this morning, and this first song
0: is probably new uh, to most of you, so listen to it a couple times, sing along when you can, Um, Dan's going to start leading it for us. There's so much beauty.
2: My name is Mandy. I'm the Kids Community Director. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tracy last week. She read such a sweet book. Thank you, Tracy, for coming to be with all of us. Today, we are starting a new theme, and our boxes are going to be ready for pickup next week at our gathering that we get to be together at. I get to see your faces. I hope you all can come. Our next theme is going to be called The Well. Well. I think you're going to love all the new activities in the box. Make sure that you register so that you can get your box. It'll have your name on it at the outdoor gathering on May 9th. Mike is also going to be talking about wells in his series called Wells and Fences over the next few weeks. And as we start this series, I want you to think about a few questions with your family or whoever you do church with. I want you to think about these questions and wonder about them, and they're questions that you might want to wonder about throughout this whole theme, even when you get the box and do the activities at home and learn a little bit on Sundays at church, whether it be on the recording or outside when we're all together. So these questions I want to start with this week. The first one is, what is a well? What is a well? And what is a well used for? So take some time with whoever you're doing church with, pause it, and answer those questions. What is a well, and what is a well used for? And when you picture a well, what do you think of? Now, Quinn, my son Quinn, is here with me tonight, and we made a little quick well out of some of our kindergarten, first grade godly play items. Does this look like a well? Well, This is what a well looks like to me. It has the little basket. Now, not all wells look like that, of course, but what do you picture when you hear the word well or think of a well? I also picture farm animals. That may seem kind of funny, but I grew up in farmland. I grew up in Wisconsin around lots of different farms, and all of my relatives had farms, and I got to help do the farm work quite a bit at the neighbor's house or at my cousin's houses. And when I think of the well, I think of all of the different animals. They had cows and pigs and goats and sheep and horses. And I thought of those animals in the field, in the big field, when they were grazing, relaxing, sunning, sleeping. They always had to get up at some point and go and get water. And the way you did it on the farm is there was just this big basin full of water. And all of the animals would have to come in, whether they were mixed or usually animals had their own areas. But they would come to the well, to the water, because all of us need water to live. Animals need water, and we need water. Humans need water. Now I have another question. Why do you think the Bible has stories that include a well. When I think of stories in the Bible, I think of this kind of well, right? Maybe that's because our coloring sheets and our books all picture this kind of well. But why do you think the Bible includes so many stories about a well? What might that symbolize spiritual life? Did any of you say God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit? In the Bible, Jesus is called living water. Which can mean that when we are seeking Jesus and spending time with him, acknowledging that his spirit is in us and around us, we are being filled. We're being loved and cared for. And for me, that love and care is just as important as water. Being with Jesus, whether it be in prayer or in the Bible, reading and learning about him, or just knowing that he's near when I'm happy and sad, that is all like spiritual water bringing me life. I need water to live, like the water we drink, and I also need Jesus to live. Kind of like during Lent when we talked about Jesus is the bread of life. So Jesus is the bread of life, just just like we need to eat, we need Jesus, and just like we need to drink, we need Jesus, because Jesus brings us life. Jesus shows us how to live. And when we listen to him and follow him and love others how he loves us, then we feel alive and we feel happy. And just like water and bread fill us physically, God fills us spiritually. So as we begin talking about the well, I want you to understand that the well can be both physical and a spiritual thing. So that can be a little bit confusing, physical and spiritual A physical well is one that you can touch, one that you can see, one that you get water out of. You might scoop it. You might, animals drink out of it. It's a container that holds water and it continues to provide water. The spiritual well that we're talking about is Jesus. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he tells us that his spirit is in us. His spirit is with us and all around us and that he is the living water. You can think of the spiritual well being a place or an experience where you grow closer to God, where you spend time with God to learn more about Jesus's life, where you fill up your soul with the love and the wisdom and the grace that comes from knowing God and Jesus and having the Holy Spirit be present in your day-to-day life. If we can focus on the well— we'll wanna keep coming back to it, just like those animals, right? If we can focus on the well, we'll wanna keep coming back to it because of the life that it brings. Today, we're just doing a little overview of the well. We're gonna keep talking about this each week, but I want you to continue having this conversation at home with your family, just talking about the well, talking about physical versus spiritual. What does that mean? Ask questions, wonder what this means, wonder together. And then think of some more ways that maybe you can compare the physical well to the spiritual well of Jesus. What are some ways that you can compare the two to help us understand that better? And just remember that the well gives us life. We would love to sing a blessing over each of you, and I hope that you all have a beautiful day and a beautiful week.
0: May God give
3: everybody, welcome back. Oh wait, I'm back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks and I'm so excited to be back. Uh, thanks to, well by the way, my name is Micah if you haven't met. Uh, one of the pastors here at our church and um, thank you to Pastor Kelly and Pastor Earl and my spiritual director Joel who filled in for me while I was gone. Very glad for them and their input in our community and what they offered. So thanks to you guys. Uh, We begin a new series today. I got a new jacket. We got a new series. I mean, come on, people. This is going to be hot. Let's do this. I want to start with a poem. I don't normally start with poems, but this poem is worth starting with. This is called The Place Where Grace Lives. That's not much of a poem. It's more of like a story or an essay. Let's call it an essay. The Place Where Grace Lives. All the neighbor kids want to hang out at the, place, at the house where grace lives. There's more dirt to be swept, there are more snacks to be made, the grass doesn't grow outside the back door or under the swing, but kids show up, hang out, and get loved where grace lives. The dust may be a little thicker on top of the TV and the closet's a bit cluttered, but hearts have been tended where grace lives. There's always enough for one more where grace lives. One more for dinner, one more to sleep over, one more hug, one more kiss. The lights are on late where Grace lives. Grace stays up to listen, hug in the dark, wipe away tears of disappointment and pain. You can see people dancing where Grace lives because Dad hung up the phone and shouted, Dance party! Sometimes the children just watch from behind their cereal box and they catch a silly glimpse of Grace from Mom. You can hear things like, please forgive me, I was wrong. I'm disappointed, but I love you. You are my treasure, my blessing. Let me pray for you. The eyes of the children where grace lives shine with joy and anticipation because they haven't been wounded by impossible expectations. They haven't been distanced by rejection, but they have been embraced and accepted and loved because they belong. Isn't that great? place where grace lives when Laura and I started thinking about having kids we found well we found this poem essay whatever you want to call it but we started thinking about like what kind of house do we want to make what kind of people do we want to be like when when kids come over to the Witham house what's the feel we want them to feel what's the thing we want them to remember like what's the energy they we want them to experience when they come to our house we thought a lot about that and um you know um We're working hard, 17 years in, to create that kind of place where Grace lives. Recently, during COVID, instead of dance party, it's snack time, snack time, snack time! At about, you know, 10 o'clock or something, Uh, I often will run into the kitchen and yelling, snack time, snack time, snack time, and kids come running from the basement and bedrooms, and we just eat snacks. Ice cream, pistachios, you know, whatever you can find, snacks. Well, what kind of house do we want so that's what we've been working on that's what we've been trying to do and you know we fail at times but we've succeeded in some ways and i want to pose that question to you this morning what kind of house do we want to build here like what kind of church do we want to be what's the when people come to awaken what do we want them to experience what's the animating energy what's the sort of uh what's the mojo around here you know like uh, what's in the water? Um, What are the attitudes and actions we want to cultivate and encourage around here? Uh, I'll I'll say this phrase again because I feel like it captivates it. It just captures it so well. What's the animating energy of our community? Is it fear? Fear of getting it wrong or fear of getting it right? The fear that God's angry or mad or that we're welcoming the wrong people? Or is it freedom? Freedom freedom because we've been found by the divine that's the next six weeks friends it's called wells and fences welcome to it um i gotta be honest i've done this series this will be the fourth time i've preached through this series and i never get tired of it it's the mona lisa of my career i don't know that there is any one series or sermon group of sermons content that i've created that has shaped our church more than this one uh and actually, as I was coming, I, was, I met with my spiritual director, Joel, last week, and I said, he was like, what's, what is, what's, what's gotten into you? And I was like, I'm preaching wells and fences next week, Joel. And he's like, tell me about it. So I told him about it. Previously, when we've done wells and fences, we've, we've looked at the six affirmations of the Evangelical Covenant Church, but uh, we're going to do something different this time. Many of you know we're in a period of discernment, trying to sort of navigate and discern our relationship to the covenant, which we've been a part of for the past 10 years, and to be perfectly honest with you, there's a good chance that at the end of this year, by next year, uh, we will either have left the covenant or have been asked to leave the covenant or um, maybe chosen to stay and be a voice of reason or change in the covenant. I don't really know, but it got me thinking, like, does wells and fences still apply if we're not in the ECC? Does, does this metaphor of gathering around a well instead of building fences, is it dependent upon the six affirmations of the covenant? And the answer to those two questions are yes and no. Yes! It does still apply, even if we're not a part of the covenant. And no, it does not depend on the six affirmations of the covenant, friends. So you might be thinking to yourself, Micah, what is Wells and Fences? I know that there are some of you who are new around here. So if um, you've heard this sermon series before, bear with me while we bring some of our new friends up to speed. Um, I've got a little graphic here I want to show you. So if you could just imagine, go on this trip with me, that you are, uh, you're a farmer, you're a rancher, you've, you've got all this land, and you've inherited... All these cattle, which are represented by these X's here, and your job as the rancher, the farmer, uh, the landowner, is to figure out how to feed these things, how to care for them, how to you know bathe them, clip them, present them, whatever it is, and uh, you could do that a couple different ways. But one of the ways you could do that is you could build a fence, and. Um, that's a reasonable thing to do, right? There's a very clear boundary. You know where the animals are in relation to the fence. It's unambiguous. The system itself kind of creates some certainty and shape, as it were. You can keep track of the animals. Uh, you, you, you can sort of patrol the out, the edges of the fences to ensure no bad things are coming in or there are no holes in the fences to let things in. To a certain degree, you can kind of control the environment inside the fence. There are benefits and liabilities to the solution, friends. But, That's not the only thing you could do. Here's another possibility. Over on this side, same situation, you're the landowner, you got all these animals, but instead of building a fence, you could dig a well. Um, Instead of building a fence and spending your time caring for the fence, patrolling the fence, fixing the fence, making sure the fence is intact, while that does provide some security and some things, you could also dig a well in the center and what we know to be true about animals, if you've watched enough National Geographic, is that they don't wander too far from water. Like you've seen this on National Geographic, like out in the you know the African uh, Sahara out there, or, or, or other places for that matter, where you will find these places that have water and animals will make their way to these watering holes because they can't live without the water. And actually, even will go as far as they begin to protect one another as they gather around the, the well, in, when and if there are predators nearby, one animal will alert the rest of them, and so there's this sort of sense of community and protection, even though there isn't a fence to keep the predators out. Now, here's the million-dollar move. Instead of cattle, we have people. And instead of a fence or a well, we have doctrines or beliefs or convictions. Now, let me introduce you to another... Uh, uh, two different ideas, the first of which is called a bounded set. Uh, a bounded set, represented on the left here by these, this fence and, and this idea, a bounded set is a group or a group of objects or people defined by a boundary separating those in the set from those outside of the set. Now, actually, bounded set and centered set was a psychological term, came up with by psychiatrists in the 60s and 70s. But if you think about this in terms of communities, a bounded set is a a way that a community might gather or a community, it might be the animating energy in a particular community. And when that's true, it's a group of people or objects defined by the boundaries that separate those who who are in the set and those who are outside of the set. Contrast that with a centered set, which is a, a group of objects or persons defined by its proximity to a central object or idea. Even in those two definitions, you can hear like the tonal difference in the, the DNA, the, the animating idea of those two different kinds of communities. And so I would argue on the left, what we have there is the vast majority of religious communities and systems and institutions. I mean, if you think about religion, especially over the last hundred years in in American evangelicalism, it's not a stretch to say that this largely describes our reality, where most of of the emphasis, the actions, are directly related to patrolling the boundaries that separate who's in and who's out. Even when it's well-intended, right? Even when it's, you know... um, in the name of fidelity to scripture or a desire for holiness it's the same energy and i think there's more and i think many of you are here or found your way here because you found yourself wanting more when you you've been in when you've been a part of these kinds of systems or religious cultures but rather on the right what you have is So long as what's in the center actually does bring life, it's a completely different system. It's a completely different energy, right? There's not all this energy spent patrolling the edges and making sure we have the right fence, but rather a deep commitment in the thing that is in the center. So let's flesh this out a little more when we're talking about religious communities. A fence or a a bounded set, it creates a barrier that keeps something in and something out by the very nature of, of the analogy or the structure. The fence becomes the means by which we determine who's in and who's out. The fence protects that which is on the inside, and the fence, if it's indicative or a symbol of beliefs or convictions, is typically created by those with assets and resources and power. Which is to say that those in power typically decide what the fences are, or what the fence is. Fences create a control mechanism, also known as a gate, Or in this analogy, belief. You check these boxes and the door to the community opens. If you can't check these boxes, the door stays closed and you remain on the outside. For a bounded set or a fence idea, the the most important question is, do you believe what we believe? And if you believe what we believe or the set of things that we believe, well, then entre vous, all is welcome for you. But if you don't, well, you can stand on the outside and wait and, and look in. But until you can check these boxes of belief, the door doesn't open to the fence. So these beliefs about, you know, that, that become the fence, they could be any number of things. Baptism, drinking, sexuality, the Bible, dancing, the end times, just to name a few. But this, the point is the same. They become the system by which we determine who's in and who's out. If you believe what we believe, you can get in. If you don't, you remain on the outside. A well, on the other hand, is just a drastically different idea. It's a drastically different community. It attracts those who are thirsty, regardless of what you believe. So if you have thirst for this thing that we say is in the middle, in the center, that gives life, you can make your way towards the well. Wells are something that we tap into. Said differently, they exist, whether we know it or not acknowledge it or not like a well that springs up it just is and we have no control over it nor nor can we stop it the source of the well is outside of our control therefore we become dependent upon the source i love the fact that wells are accessible from every direction too See wells they keep living things close to them without building any fences For centered set communities, the question isn't, do you believe what we believe, but rather, what is in the center, and are you moving towards it, or what momentum and trajectory are you on? So let me be clear, or let me continue to be clear. At Awaken, we have no interest in doing that on the left, the bounded set fence. I have no interest in Making fences of belief, doctrine, and dogma that people have to check off or subscribe to in order to participate and be a part of our community. That's just not interesting to me. So long as I'm one of the pastors here, we're not interested in doing that. We are, however, very interested in creating a community, a centered set community, that is thrown themselves trusting this source in the center. We want to gather around a well, a well that we believe will transform and bring life to any and all who gather around it. So, instead of the six affirmations of the covenant in our series, Exploration, I wanna ask, like, what's essential if we wanna do that kind of community? If we wanna be a community that gathered around the well, instead of spending time and energy patrolling and building fences, Like, what would need to be present? What are the ideas or ways of being that we will have to live into in order for us to be that kind of community? So, over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about today the supremacy of Jesus, the primacy of Jesus. Secondly, the presence of curiosity and questions. Week three, a generous and humble orthopraxy. You might have heard the word orthodoxy, right? Belief. A generous and humble practice of our belief. Week four, a radical trust in the Holy Spirit. You might recognize that one if you've been a part of the series before. That is one of the affirmations of the covenant and we're keeping it, friends, because it's vital to being this kind of community that we're talking about. Week five, I wanna talk about revelation because previously we've talked about scripture and the importance of it, but I wanna take it a click up. I wanna suggest that God is interested in revealing God's self to us and scripture becomes one of the primary ways, but it is not the only way. So we wanna talk about revelation as, as the, the umbrella under which the scriptures find themselves. Lastly, in the week six, we'll talk about what I think is the secret sauce. It's, it's like the secret sauce of the Big Mac. It's freedom in Christ. So, six weeks, wells and fences, and the time we have remaining, let's talk about Jesus. You've, you've all heard that joke, right? What's In Sunday school, the teacher says, what's gray, has a bushy tail, climbs trees, eats nuts. Kids are like, I don't know about this. And one kid's like, it sounds a lot like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Jesus. Because the million-dollar question of what is in the well, I would say it this way. The life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. These three layers, this sentence, become uh, three ideas that constitute or confirm that this is a well worth gathering around that it confirms that this well should we gather around it will bring life and transform life the life and teachings the death and resurrection of jesus the christ so i want to look at three stories from the gospels that look at these ideas the life and teachings the death and resurrection of jesus the christ we're going to look at a well a garden and a tomb so let's start in john chapter 4 this is the samaritan and the woman at the well it reads this way now, he had to go, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, was tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to drink water. So much said in that sentence. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food, you know, doing more important things. If you keep reading in the story, you find that Jesus has this interaction with a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well at noon, and he goes on to tell her that he wants to offer this living water that she can have, and he actually possesses. He, it's an encounter with himself. But a few key details are given. This story is a prime example. It's one of the examples that we have of the life that Jesus lived and the teachings that he offered the disciples, again, they go, they go into town to take, more, take care of more important matters. And John gives us these details of a woman, a Samaritan woman, at the hottest part of the day. What is he saying by saying that? Samaritans, if you didn't know, these are the hated half-breeds of the north. If you have Israel, to the north of Israel is Samaria. These are people who intermarried with Israelites Uh, during times of of oppression and times of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, when they were taken into captivity? Exile. Thank you very much, Micah. Uh, They were hated. There were prayers by rabbis where they would say, Lord, thank you that I am not a woman, a Gentile, or a Samaritan. So John tells us we have a, a hated person of the north for Jesus, a Jewish rabbi. He then goes on to say it's a woman. In the ancient world, there are all kinds of scripts for men and women, how they interact, what they do, what they don't do, what they don't say to each other. And what Jesus does is crosses all the boundaries. He just like sees the fence and then he just hops right over it and he says, hey, can I have a drink of water to this Samaritan woman who he would never have talked to? And John says it's at noon, which seems to be a throwaway detail, but of course, if you know anything about Israel and the ancient world in the Mediterranean, noon is the hottest part of the day when no one would go to drink water unless, of course, you didn't want to see anybody. So what John has told us by saying nearly nothing is that whatever this woman's past or possibly her present is, it has her drawing water alone in the most unlikely of hours tells the story of a woman who's outside of inn for a whole host of reasons. Culturally, she's a woman. Religiously, she's a Samaritan. And morally and ethically, because of her past and choices that she's made, she is on the outside of in. She finds herself at the town well, the hottest part of the day. All the fences in her world have her outside. And yet Jesus engages the vulnerable outsider with grace and kindness. His life and teachings that he offers is the kind of life and teachings that consistently engages the vulnerable and outsider with grace and kindness with compassion with love and care he doesn't meet her with rules and regulations and more fences rather he goes out of his way to invite and include her to participate in and to offer her this life-giving water that he's come to bring he says i am the living water a well that does not run dry and he offers an encounter with himself. And this woman, the story goes on, and is transformed. She's changed. Not because of the fences. Not because of the judgment. Not because of the condemnation. It's the well that changes her heart. See, at the well, we see one of the many examples of Jesus' life and teachings, consistent with this interaction of this woman at a well. A life instead of teachings that is consistently liberating and empowering those who are oppressed and vulnerable voiceless on the outside of whatever fences have been created. So we have a well, we have a garden, and in the garden we bear witness to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mark chapter 16 says, very early on the first day, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? This is Mary, Mary, and a woman named Salome. But when they looked up they went they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away and as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in white sitting at the right side and they were alarmed Do not be alarmed he said you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified he has risen he is not here <laughs> See the place where they laid him but go tell Peter and the disciples he's going ahead of you into Galilee there you will see him just as he told you friends the life and teachings of Jesus are insanely compelling. Even if you even if you take out the death and resurrection piece, just Jesus's life and teachings, they're in, they're amazing. But then you add to it the death and resurrection, which is a category change. Jesus of Nazareth is crucified at the hands of the Romans sometime around AD 30. He's pronounced dead, he's taken off a cross, he's dressed and buried by his friends, eyewitnesses, and then he is laid to rest in a tomb secured by Joseph of Arimathea. This is what the record tells us, which is all reviewed to you having just gone through the Easter season, but it's worth repeating. The well that we believe has the power to transform and change lives that we wanna gather around as a church, it's not just the life and teachings of Jesus. It's not just the crucifixion and the death of Jesus for our sin and the atonement. It's the resurrection of Jesus. This divine and cosmic moment, which just screams from the hilltops, a, a, a victory not only over sin, but death and evil and all the dehumanizing patterns we participate in. A moment that changes everything, a moment that happens in the garden when the angels say, He is not here. <laughs> I wish I would have been there that day. See the well we want to gather around? It's the life and teachings. And the death and resurrection but not just of an ordinary man not just of a carpenter's son but jesus the christ the son of god the second person of the divine communion which is made clear a number of times in the scriptures but maybe no more clear and more appropriate than in john 11 at lazarus's tomb we read this jesus said to her Lazarus's sister, if I'm not mistaken, your brother will rise again, Martha answered. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says to her, yes, I believe it, Martha says. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who has come into the world, the Christ, the divine, who became human. Martha in this moment makes a connection that some fail to make in the Gospels, a connection that's still being declared right now and even debated and wondered about, a connection that Jesus, who lived and taught, died and was resurrected, was not just a man, but in fact, the Son of God, the Christ. Philippians chapter 2 Who became a man, lived the life he lived, taught the things he taught, died the death he died, and was resurrected from the dead doing only what the Christ, the Son of God, could do on our behalf. And now offers participation in this life. Who says, I am the living water. Whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. Friends of Awaken... We're attempting to do something here that may be a little different than the majority of Christian communities that I have found in the world, at least in our context. I don't say that because I think we're special or because we're better than or because we're so cool, but because I have tried that. I grew up in that. And I think many of you have tried it and grew up in it and found yourself in a similar place that I did, where I just thought, there's got to be more. Like, this can't be it, where we just manage each other's sin until we die, hoping that someday we'll go to heaven. That just sounds not worth coming to earth for and dying on a cross for. So we're trying to do something a little different, and that is to say... Out loud, we want to gather around a well. A well that is the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. We're not interested in building a fence. So as we start this series and this exploration of what it means to gather around this well, it's important for us to declare what do we believe to be in it? And this is about the only thing that this church, this community, will collectively, like, go to the mat for. And that is the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Beyond that, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of agreement. But we believe that this well, this idea, these teachings, this life, this death and resurrection, this moment, and this God-man Jesus is in fact worthy of gathering around and consistently providing transformation and life for those who draw near to it. I began with a story about a place where grace lives, this kind of house that Laura and I are trying to build for our kids and for the neighbors that live in our neighborhood, and I'll end with that same question for us. What kind of house do we want to build? Because we get to choose. Do we want it to be one where the energy and ethos is rooted in fear of getting it wrong? Where maybe we're welcoming the wrong people or open, opening the door too wide, like, ooh, look, are we being too, too loving to those folks? That we're afraid that God might be angry with us for some reason or another? Does it emanate from the holiness of God and the unworthiness of humanity? Is it informed by how wretched I am and how kind God is to stoop down and save me? Do we spend our time and energy patrolling the edges of doctrine and dogma to make sure people are in line? Or is it rooted in a deep and abiding trust in the life and teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus? That's actually good news that changes and transforms any and all who come near. Does it emanate out of the Trinitarian community of love that is God who is calling us home, who invites us to come and drink from this well and be healed? I would suggest to you it's the latter. And so, what would it look like to be a community whose first question isn't do you believe what we believe, but rather are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Because we believe that we're gathered around a well that offers living water. That if you draw near to, you will never thirst again. You will be changed and transformed and swept up into the story that is the Christ, that is good news for the world. Welcome to Wells and Fences, friends. It's going to be fun. Pray with me. God, as we take a few moments in silence to to think about what it means to build a community, what it means to participate in a community, and what, at the end of the day, is in the center of this community. Holy Spirit, we trust you. We believe that you are good, that you lead to good things and life and light And so we ask that you would do that now. If there's anything that I have said that's not true, that's inaccurate, that's not congruent with who you are, Jesus, I pray that my friends would forget it, that you would do your work and that it just wouldn't take root, wouldn't take hold, would be forgotten. But if there's anything I've said that's true, that is uh, integrated and, and has integrity with who you are, then... Holy Spirit, just plant it deep in our hearts. That we might be found in these moments moving towards this well that is in the center. Maybe with questions, maybe with doubt, maybe with skepticism, maybe with wonder, maybe with awe, maybe with worship. From all different directions. And I pray, God, that you would do your work. The work that we are banking on you doing, if we gather around this well. So do it now.
0: turn to life the day
3: It's interesting, when I talk about these things, one of the most common questions I get is So, does anything go, Micah? Like, if we're going to do away with the fences, like, everybody just runs around doing whatever they want? To which I would respond with two questions. The first of which is Where does that question come from for you if you find yourself asking it? What motivates that question? Like, what's the question behind the question? But then the second question I would ask is, did you read the things Jesus said? To the rich man, he said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. To Zacchaeus, he said, stop extorting and your countrymen and the vulnerable, and the poor. In fact, give them back everything that you stole from them with interest. Jesus' teachings are no joke. So, no, anything doesn't go. Not according to the life and teachings of Jesus. So, take a deep breath. I think this is actually harder. but it's way more fun. It's like we're taking the boat out of the harbor and we're actually going to sail. Like we're going to put the sails up and the wind is going to blow and the spirit is going to move. And waves are going to be crashing. There's going to be water splashing everywhere. But you're going to feel alive. That's what I want. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm inviting you to. So it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for everybody. If you're just checking Awaken out, you this may be your last Sunday. But I'm guessing it's probably not going to be. So as we make our way to the table, ironically, this thing we've started during COVID, where we, the table every week, it's just, it's Jesus. Every week. <laughs> so, on the night that Jesus took bread and he broke it, He was with his friends, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. and He said, this is my body, or excuse me, this is my blood. We've already been over that. This is my blood, which will be shed for you. So whenever you drink of it, remember me. So to the church gathered this morning, I would remind you that this is the table of the Lord. It's not the table, it's not the church's, it's not mine, it's it's not ours to manage or negotiate. It's the Lord's. And it's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God. So come, you who have a lot of faith, a little bit of faith, you who have been here often, you who haven't been here for a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, so come. Not because I invite you, but because Christ, the resurrected one, the one who is no longer dead, says, come and be fed, be healed, come to the well and drink all that you need. So as you take the bread, I invite you to hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat, my friends. As you take the cup, I'd invite you to hear these words. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink, my friends. Oh, man. We're, we have to, we have to finish. So that means we're coming to an end. But I'm so excited about this series and the time that we'll have together. I have a couple of things I want to remind you of uh, by way of community life, things that are happening. By the time you listen to this recording, you will be one week away from our first public gathering in a park on May the 9th. As you hear these these words come out of my mouth, pray. (laughs) Pray for good weather. that would just be so terrible it's not going to happen so so pray pray that the Lord would bless us with sunshine and good weather and then we could get together if it's raining we'll just there will always be a recording every week by the way even when we're meeting outside so if it's raining we'll have a recording it'll be available to you that Sunday morning but Lord willing May the 9th we'll be together please pay attention to the Awaken Weekly this week we're going to be sending out information we've waited uh, to give you the specifics based on the most recent guidelines from the state and what we're asked to do to host this gathering so please pay attention if there's going to be sign-ups or traffic flow and all that kind of stuff um, but hopefully we'll see you May 9th and then the other thing is um, there's an artist mingle, mingle coming Melody leads those uh, the 6th of May at 7pm so the link is in the Awaken Weekly for that Um, there's lots of things happening, so check the Awaken Weekly. If you don't get that, subscribe to it. And um, see you next week, friends. We're talking about, what are we talking about next week? The presence of curiosity and questions. It's going to be great. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Church said together, Amen, grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com.
2: Backslash community with us and with the community.
0: See you next time.